Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 470, um, how to shift the narrative of a collective belief system with me, Joe Moffat, and our special guest today, Joe Caruso. Uh, Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement, and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and globally, and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at our website, engageforsuccess.org, to learn more and download the enormous range of free-to-use resources there, um, but also sign up for our weekly newsletter to keep up to date in what's going on um, and get access to um, uh, future events and that kind of thing. So um, that's Engage for Success, and I'm Joe Moffat. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio, um, but as with all of us in Engage for Success, we're all volunteers and we all have a day job, uh, and mine is as Managing Director and Founder of Woodread, which is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. Um, so as I say, our topic today is how to shift the narrative of a collective belief system. Um, and I'm joined today by our special guest, Joe Caruso. Joe is founder and president of the Caruso Leadership Institute. He is an expert on the individual mind, the collective mind of an organization organization and how meaning drives our behavior and determines outcomes in all aspects of life. Uh, as an author, business advisor and speaker, he brings a lifetime of expertise to help organizations and leaders change the way they see themselves and in turn the way they think about markets, products and services. Uh, and I'm going to ask Joe in a moment to introduce himself and tell, tell us a little bit about his personal and professional story, which has really brought him uh, to where he is today and uh, sharing his insights and experiences with us on, on today's show. So, um, Joe, welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Hi, Joe. Thanks very much. Thanks for having um, me. It's good, good to have you with us. So could we, could we just kick off um, to begin with? Just, just tell us and our listeners just a little bit about your story because it's a, it's a pretty amazing one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was 18 years old, um, and I got, I was diagnosed with incurable cancer, um, right. went, went into experimental chemotherapy and surgical protocols. And, uh, after a couple of years, they said, well, we think your cancer is gone, but, uh, the chemotherapy might kill you because it was just, <laughs> it was the testing of, uh, uh, dosage, so very very yeah. high, right? And uh, now it's a curable cancer today, and uh, I'm no longer 18 years old. I made I was, it. Uh, do you mind me asking how many years since that first diagnosis? Oh no, not at all. I had my uh, 63rd birthday 30 days ago. Well, many happy returns, and goodness me, that's uh, that's quite an achievement, isn't it? And uh, I bet, yeah, I mean, we could probably talk for a whole show about 
the, how devastating that was and, and what you learned through that experience. Um, and I know that, that that experience has informed what you've done professionally, really, ever since. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Sure. Um, I decided, after talking with a very intelligent uh, nurse, that it's time to go, you go. But you have to live until then. So what do I want to do with my life? And why live if you're going to die? Mm -hmm. And I decided I wanted to learn what life is. So I committed to studying five hours a day, five days a week for the rest of my life. And um, didn't know I'd I'd have to keep that promise for so many years, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I could. And I still And and have you then? Do you, do you, you, are you still doing, studying five hours a day, five days a week? Yes. Um, Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes more. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I would include in that meditation, my writing, uh, reading, um, lots of reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, I study my clients as well. Uh, and then I study my work and how I'm doing in my work with my clients. But most of it is, most of it is uh, reading, I would say. Mm-hmm. And are your clients all corporate clients or do you work with individuals as well? I have worked with individuals. Most most individuals like uh, our CEOs, I work with the uh, United States Navy, um, mm-hmm. um, but most people end up using me for their business and in, in, in then talking to me personally. Right, right. Okay. And so our topic uh, today, Joe, is is how to shift the narrative of a collective belief system. And perhaps just put that in context for our listeners, if I may, um, many of whom will have come to us through uh, Engage the Success in the UK. And Engage the Success is a, an organisation or social movement, really, that has, through considerable amount of research into workplace culture and what makes an effective organisation, identified what are known as the four enablers of employee engagement, um, a useful lens, if you like, to look through to sort of say these are these are the four common traits that organisations with highly engaged workforces and uh, you know, high-performing cultures will share. And the first one of those is the importance of having visible, empowering leaders in an organisation who can tell the story of where the organisation has come from and where it's going, who can shape and frame and articulate that strategic narrative that they can then share with their people that their people can then get behind and you know all of that's kind of linked to purpose um you know why i'm getting out of bed in the morning kind of in its simplest terms and so aligning today's radio show of how to shift the narrative of the collective belief system seems to seems to fit very well within that within that first enabler i i'm i'm guessing joe would you would you say that's right 100 percent. yes Mm. Yes, in order to, to in order for someone to let go of that which they already know, and probably that which they use as part of their identity, 
Mm-hmm. They have to have a belief, a faith, a hope, a desire. Uh, they have to uh, believe that the letting go will be worth it. And and they were doing something bigger than themselves. And it, that does require visible, empowering leaders, compelling leaders who know how to tell stories. Stories are very, very important. Yes. Um, yes. And it's just critical because our, our mind thinks in story. So when you're dealing with, whether you're dealing with an individual mind or a collective mind, uh, it's very, very difficult for the mind to understand one simple thing in and of itself, not in relation to anything else. It's almost impossible. And a story just, a story is just a bunch of things that that connect to each other. So the story makes connections, which is how the mind works. The mind has to make connections. Okay. And, if you, um, if you, if you, we're talking here about shifting the narrative of a company's collective belief system, which implies to me that what somebody develops as their narrative at some point is going to need to change. Now, do you see that that change has to be made in a kind of evolutionary manner, or do we see? major eruptions and, and a complete change of direction you know the, are these things gentle and evolutionary or do we say actually that narrative's had its day it's no longer fit for purpose the world has changed we need a radical rethink I mean we, we, is there a is there a preferred option when it comes to shifting the narrative in your view Joe um, no I don't think it's an either or uh, situation um, sometimes to save a business, you've got to get radical change. Uh, sometimes uh, the change becomes an evolution um, and an iterative change. So it can, I've seen it. I've seen it happen both ways, Joe. Right, right, and and so it can happen both ways. Does whether you whether you approach it in either way, and I guess that depends a little bit on the the circumstances an organization finds itself in, and those might be of their own making or they may be external factors. Are there some common approaches that you recommend when it comes to determining that narrative, that collective belief system? Well, I'll give you some some examples from my past. Okay. Um, There was a, a store that sold used car parts. And just across the street, somehow... There was another store that sold used car parts. Right. And so I would ask, there were four brothers that owned the store that I was hired by. And they said, uh, I said, so what do you do? Take me through, show me what you have. And by the way, is that a used car parts across the street? They said, yeah, that's our arch enemy. I said, so that's your competition, huh? They said, yeah. I said, hmm, uh, I'll go visit them later. And, you know, buy a car part, but um, how do people find you? And they, you know, they said, well, they usually just call us on the phone and ask us if we have something in stock and they ask us, you know, the price and we give it mm-hmm. to them. I said, and then they call the police across the street, do the same thing, right? 
They said, yeah. Sometimes then they call us back and tell us they, that they can get it cheaper over there. And I said, well, this is going to be easy then. Just put a for sale sign on your door and, and sell the business because you're just slowly going out of business one penny at a time. Yeah. And, and it, now that's introducing an idea to four brothers who never thought of themselves that way or their business that way. They just accepted that that's the enemy and they just want to win. Uh, On a bigger scale, you would look at Apple when they used to compete with Microsoft Mm -hmm. until they changed and started disrupting the music industry, for example. Yeah. So... um, uh, but when you introduce an idea to the uh, collective mind or the individual mind, you have to do it in a way that it appeals to their sensibilities so they can hear it and consider it, not just have it heard, when one being quite passive. And so these were Midwestern kind of down-to-earth guys in, mm-hmm. in the United States and uh, uh, so the, the, the more concisely I could say something and that made sense to them the more then I could introduce another idea so how did like, they respond to the stickiness you might as well stick a for sale sign on the door what, what was they, did they were they quite defensive to what you had to say or did they respond aggressively or did it sort of shock them into thinking differently they laughed right. and, I saw, and, 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 and I said no joke that's what's going to happen one of you is going to put the other one out of business right before they go out of business because nobody's making any money mm. I said so let's come up with a different strategy and so we had a retreat and came up with a different strategy. They ended up selling about eight years ago all 24 stores they had around the country and the distribution system and the trucks and uh, the entire business. Their kids and their grandkids won't ever have to work again. Right. Nice and, work. And, yep. Well, that's a, that's a success story. And Absolutely. I, you know, I, yeah. I... I, I uh, I think everybody should guarantee their fee because it puts the onus on you. You know, yeah. if, if you, if you say my fee's guaranteed, if it doesn't work, doesn't work, I'll take the hit, mm. but I won't take the money if it doesn't work. And then they, okay. they look at each other and say, Hmm, well, if it doesn't work, we don't have to pay them. What do we have to lose? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 yes, I, I mean that that could take us off down a whole conversation about how consultants work and everything. And one of, I mean, one of the one of the observations on that though is that so often the success or otherwise of what you might have recommended then is ultimately out of your hands, isn't it? If they don't do everything you tell them to do exactly right, but um, that's possibly a conversation for another day, Joe. So, so tell me. In that in that scenario, or in a scenario like the one you've just outlined, where you posed a, 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 an idea that made them start to think about things differently and, and 
helped them to find what that different way might be. Of course, they have to, not only do you have to persuade those four brothers in that particular situation, but they then have to take their people with them along that journey too, don't they? Um, yes. So yep. how, and how, how do you recommend to leadership in, not, not necessarily in that scenario, but you can continue with that story if, if, if that's the best way of explaining it, but, but or, or, or more generally, you know, how, how can leaders ensure that they take their people with them? Um, and, and see that bigger picture and the role that they that they have that they're going to be needing to play in it. First of all, with a leadership team, I have people define acceptable breakage. So what does that mean? Acceptable breakage would be we can't um, lose um, Betty because she's got all the institutional knowledge. Okay, how do we get it? How do we get it from Betty? Why is this one person? Why is one person indispensable? Because now we're going to be held hostage to Betty's um, willingness to come along. And that's not acceptable if this is a business. And um, so once I know what acceptable breakage is, uh, then I say, okay, now what are you willing to do and what are you unwilling to do? In my podcast, Joe, I, I asked uh, the person I'm interviewing before we start off camera, mm-hmm. is there any taboo subject you, you don't want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And they almost always say no. And I said, well, I don't talk politics. I find that you know, my job is to try and get people to think, to stimulate thought. And sometimes in American politics, people stop thinking. Mm-hmm. And so that goes against what I'm trying to achieve. Yes. So I don't, I don't, I think that you have to, we have to all know that my last book is a bestseller in six languages. Um, it's in British and in English. I'm joking. And, and, uh, <laughs> well, no, that, that, again, that's a whole, a whole conversation, isn't it? Yes. Two, two companies. Two countries separated by a common language. Yeah. That's right. Um, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that adage. The, but the, um, the book was called The Power of Losing Control. Uh-huh. When we stop trying to control the things that we can't, then we can have more energy and more mindset, more power to bring our power to what we can control. You know, you you talk about the power to live more calm or the power to live more. Mm. But that power can't be wasted on, oh, my God, I'm worried about what this person's going to do or might do tomorrow for me mm. or to me. Mm. It's, it's waste I, of time. I think that's, I think that's absolutely right, Joe. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've seen this happen myself in quite a number of cases with organizations where I've worked. It, it can almost be it can almost be sort of um, stultifying sense that actually I, I, there's so much here that I need to try and change. There's so much here that needs to be mended. There's so much here that needs to be put right. Where do I begin? Um, and people kind of, they're so sort of almost, you know, sort of like rabbits in the headlights, you know, a sense of <laughs> I can't change all of this. And And once you actually say, well, look, don't, 
fret about what you can't influence. Just focus on what you can do and where you can make a change. Um, it's quite, it's enormously liberating, isn't it? it? It is, because the other is a normalcy bias. The problem's too big to get your head around what to do so you don't do anything. Mm. People do that with their health quite often. Mm. Uh, a quick story, it's not a business story, but um, it reminds me of the old Julie Andrews uh, musical. She said, uh, start the beginning, it's a very good place to start uh, oh, yeah. in, in one of the songs. Yeah, I'm, in, yeah. I'm, I'm with a friend, I'm 18 years old. She's a travel agent and she's excited because she knows I study Rome, ancient Rome uh-huh. and, uh, and Greece and so on. And so I'm in the Eternal City and she's, she's got a walking tour map. And she says, I've got this walking tour map. Is there anything that interests you on it? Because there's like six or eight tours. And we can, mm-hmm. we can follow them ourselves. We don't need a guide. I said, sure. Let's just pick any of them. I haven't seen Rome yet. This is great. And she says, okay, we'll pick this one. Now let me see where to start. I said, I already know where to start. She goes, you've never been to Rome and you don't even know which one I picked. So we have to start right here because this is where we are. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, more about, yeah. it's more about committing to the process, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it than it is to come up with the perfect way to start. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you have to start from where you are. Yeah. So let's talk talk briefly then about the impact of the pandemic that so many organizations, or we all, not just, you know, we all globally found ourselves in um, beginning of 2020. Um, no control, out of control situation for most of us. Um, where do you start to move on beyond that? How do you how do you start to be successful when all of the the norms and the structures and the things that you have granted as all being ever present are perhaps no longer there? Yeah, you, know, you asked me my age. I told you I'm 63, and I believe that we enter each age of life as a novice. And I think that's a good foundational context to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, tomorrow I'm not going to be the same guy I was today. I'll have my same principles, um, my same kind of moral belief system, if mm-hmm. you will. But uh, I'll be smarter tomorrow because I'm going to be one day older. Age and wisdom are corollary ideas. And uh, I don't want to just make a list of the night before on my computer or my phone or a piece of paper, wake up in the morning, start checking, checking my texts, and start working my list. I, I don't think uh, that's a way to start the day. So I, I, I reflect, genuinely reflect. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, I, I, I want to reconsider what I know. I want to reconsider what I know because it's a new day. So what am I getting to here? I can't be 16 again, and I don't want to be that dumb again the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there were good sides to it, but I don't want to be that dumb again. 
and that ignorant, ignorant meaning I didn't know a lot. Hmm. And so I don't think it's good to say, let's just get back to normal. Mm-hmm. It, the world has changed. Supply chains have changed. Opportunities are here that have never been here before. Some things that used to work are never going to work again. And so it's, where am I? Who am I? What can I do now to get where I want to get to? Who can I, who am I going to be while I'm becoming? Okay. And how do I want, and how do I want to be? Um, and so I think just that commitment to the beginning, to the start, without, uh, I, I tell my clients all the time, we'll uh, respect the, the past, but we're going to embrace the future. So would you say, Joe, then, that, um, so, so if I've understood what you're saying correctly, the pressures, the, the circumstances that we all of us found, all of us found ourselves facing as a result of the global pandemic, certainly those in the sort of business, business world, business leaders, it forced a refocus and a redefining and, a, and asking those questions of ourselves. If I've understood you right, what you're saying is, well, yes, we, we all had to do that because of the pandemic, but actually we should be doing that as a matter of course. We should be doing that with regularity. We should not be expecting everything to stay the same or, or, or being responsive to external factors. We should actually drive those changes by going through a process of regular reflection. Yes, I, I think it starts with reflection. and. Certainly, reflection, allow, genuine reflection, uh, cert, is, is different than genuflection, <laughs> I must yeah, point out. Uh, the, but the, that reflection allows us to have what little objectivity we, we have access to when we think about ourselves. And uh, we, to understand that it's very unnatural to remain static in a dynamic world. And okay. so what we're, what we're doing is acting unnaturally. And usually that's going to create stress on schedule, um, self-esteem, um, and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, athletes, musicians, there's just two types of professions they know that they can't play the way they used to. Their body's different. But they can play smarter. They can bring other things to their instrument or to their game or to a song that they couldn't do before. For example, young musicians aren't very subtle. Teach a kid a song and the kid just wants to say all the words as fast as possible, close to pitch, but there's no rest. There's no space. Even as we converse, there's a tempo. There's, there's space. There's a rhythm to how we say what we say. And that makes a difference. Understood. Okay, so we've, we've only got a couple of minutes remaining, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. Can I... Perhaps just ask you to wrap things up for us. Um, 
because it seems to, to sort of in a, in a simpler way as you can in the time we've got remaining answer that question of how do we shift the narrative of a collective belief system it, it, is it about ongoing questioning of yourself and starting starting where you are you know starting at the beginning um, in, in a in a in a nutshell in a couple of couple of minutes if you would sure um, leadership has to have conviction and concision you have to be able to notice the things that I communicated to clients to help them change began with very simple concise analysis and communication and the conviction was you're going to fail if you keep doing this mm-hmm. you're going to fail and courage I didn't mean to alliterate there as much as I did and so the leader it all starts with the leader being um, uh, concise having strong conviction and unwavering in effort. Okay. But being unwavering in effort does not mean rigidly sticking to a particular path come hell or high water, no matter what, does it? No, it doesn't at all, Joe. But I have a new puppy. And you can't train a puppy to stay off the couch once in a while. Yeah. That's what I mean by consistent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, lovely. Um, we are right out of time, Joe. Thank you so much. Um, actually, really, what you've done there is prompt some some starters for us in terms of thinking. I think there's a lot more we could could and should explore. But um, thank you very much for for sharing those thoughts with us. Thank you very much for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. Just visit engageforsuccess.org. And similarly, get in touch with us there if you want to get involved in in the movement in a volunteer role. So thank you, Joe Caruso, founder and president of the Caruso Leadership Institute. And thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.